All right, I am going to go ahead and go live early. And uh, that's kind of what we do in a Bible study. I mean, we sit around and talk before we actually start. And so even though the Bible study officially starts at 6.30, I thought I would just come in a little early and kind of chat with everybody. Uh, I see hello from Ohio, blessings to all. Now, I don't know if you have to leave a comment on StreamYard or if you leave a comment on Facebook, it'll pop up. Maybe you Facebook people can let me know because I'm only seeing the comments on StreamYard. So I, I, again, I'm, I'm learning this too. Okay, I see uh, Duo Kitty just jumped on. Mateo, Scotty. Okay, I assume everybody's seeing these. No sound. Oh, really? No sound? Okay. That might be a problem. Hmm. Is anybody else? Is anybody else not hearing me? Somebody tell me. Oh, I hear you. Okay. Well, then, Mateo, it is on your uh, your side. Okay. So, is anybody sending me? a comment or a question. Hello, everyone. No sound, brother. Okay. <laughs> I guess I got, okay. The other people are saying they're here just fine. Okay. I can hear you. I can hear you. I can hear you. Okay. So, so does anybody have a prophecy question? Let's get on prophecy here for just a minute. We'll pray and get started in a few minutes. Okay, do I look like a deer in the headlights? <laughs> well, I'm excited to be with you. All right. Um, I've made several programs on Prophecy Club talking about how Vicky Goforth Parnell had a dream that, in my opinion, is talking about the suitcase nukes. And even if it's not, it's saying some kind of a big explosion, several of them, happened in America in 2023. Now, the problem is, is uh, we got to start praying it away. I don't want that to happen. You don't want that to happen. But it's going to be hard to delay it this time. I think that's been delayed a lot of times. That's just around the corner. Also, uh, Masi, here, I'll give you a little inside information here before I give it to everybody else. Here, let me pull it up. Pastor Masi called me today. Here, I'll just show you. I'll just show you. Let me get to it here. need the right button to click here. Maybe that's it. Yes. Okay. Here we go. All right. Something was blocking it. <laughs> 
I think I messed up. Yeah, okay. Here it is. Pastor Massey called me with... Last week in my prayer closet, uh, I was praying. I said, Lord, I, I, I ask you to talk to either Leslie or to Pastor Massey. And the reason I like to ask him to talk to Pastor Massey is because he's not a prophecy student. He doesn't follow Prophecy Club. He's got his own international ministry, a miracles ministry, which is why we have him come in to the Sevenfold Miracle Crusades, because that's his ministry, his miracles. And when I talk on Bible prophecy, his eyes kind of cross. <laughs> he, he, he can't exactly follow it. He loves it, but it, it's just not his forte. I understand that. Um, so I asked the Lord to talk to him and tell him what's going on. Sure enough, he called me this afternoon. And he said, so I had two dreams, same night. He said, I dreamed that I went to Costco for gasoline. They were out. So I called AAA. They brought me two gallons. And they told me it's just enough to get me home from the gasoline station. And then they said, we cannot give you any more gas. We're only giving you enough to get you home because there is no more gasoline coming. No more gasoline coming. So we already know they're trying to cut off our food, trying to cut off all kinds of things. Then he said he had a second dream. In this, he said, I saw an earthquake. I saw homes falling, and then I saw that there was no food. No gasoline, then no food. So there you go. Mm. Pop out of this. Um. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody says, I got me MPC. Yeah, I, I, I've, I've got one in every one of my cars. This is the one for me to show you how to work it. Um, nobody's tested it. I mean, in terms of actually nukes going off, but I, I believe it's very important for us prophecy students to be prepared as we possibly can. Okay, here's a question. What are the 10 kings without kingdoms spoken about in Revelation? Okay, actually, has no kingdom as yet, but shall receive power at one hour with the king with, with uh, the the beast. Those are the last ten kingdoms, where they take the seven continents, divide them into ten global regions, and that's the reason it says they have no power as yet, but receive power one hour with the beast. Because when they form the world government, and they divide the seven continents into ten global regions, those are the global regions, because each one of them has a leader that blasphemes God. So that's the answer there. Okay, let's see. Okay, let's see. <laughs> Love your shirt. Well, I had streak orders from the boss to wear Hawaii shirts. So I guess she wanted to see me get out of those blue shirts and get into, so, so thank Leslie. You know, I, I do as I'm told. And let me, let me say something about that. Sometimes it comes back through indirect sources. And this was Sunday night. Uh, Lou and Sudi came over and they made mention that from time to time, they'll get a comment. Stan must be henpecked. So <laughs> I, I, I guess I need to explain. I used to be a door-to-door -door salesman. 
which means I was very direct and I didn't stop at anything. And I also used to be a second degree black belt in Taekwondo. I used to be a black belt instructor. Um, I was very successful. It went right to my head. I thought I was really something, but, but God showed me that I was nothing and humbled me. And hopefully you see the humble side now. And I would say that I just don't have to be the guy that pushes people around. I don't have to be the guy, the guy that bosses Leslie around and tells her what to do. Um, I, and Leslie and I talked about this. We talked about this right in front of Lou and Suni. And I said, I think Leslie and I flow very well, whether it's in personal, whether it's in public. You know, we're pretty much the same person, whether we're wearing a Hawaii shirt, whether we're wearing a blue shirt or a business suit. We don't make faces. We don't play games. We don't pay, play the, I'm the pastor now game. You know, uh, we're just who we are. And I said to Blue and Sunny, I said, you know, I said, I think Leslie and I flow real well. And I said, I respect Leslie. I respect her as my wife. I respect her as the female side of our whole relationship. And as that, that means there's a time that as a man, I need to listen to her. I've discovered that in most cases, she's right. We're out in the middle of a country someplace. We pull up to a stop sign. She says, no, 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 go right. I don't argue. I go right because most of the time she's right. I respect her as a prophet. She has a judge's anointing. This is one evening when we were falling off to sleep. I said, I'm impressed to pray for you. Can I pray for you? She said, sure. So I got up, got the oil, I anointed her, and I said, Lord, I just felt the anointing touch me. Lord, take her to the next level in Jesus' name. Sure enough, that night, the Lord touched her. She said, I don't exactly know what it was, but I said, I got a judge's anointing. I know I got it. I know I got it. Okay, so I think Leslie and I flow well. And there is a time. I say it's talking about time. It's time for us to go. There is a time where I listen to her and I take her advice, which is most of the time because she's pretty smart. And there's a time where she listens to me and takes my advice. And there once in a while, there's a time when we think different. <laughs> there's been times where people come up and say, uh, Pastor Stan, I want your counsel on this. Maybe it's a husband and wife. Well, you know, what, what, what do you think about this? And I'll say, well, I think this. But I think you ought to go over and talk to Leslie because that's really her area of being the judge. So <laughs> they go over to Leslie and I hear her say almost exactly the opposite. And I say, there it is. <laughs> go with that. Um, I'm not a henpecked. I would say that I'm humbled. I would say that I know where my place is. Leslie is humbled. She knows where her place is. We fit together well for personal, for ministry. You know, we just try to flow together. Uh, and so if there's people thinking that I'm just pinning the impact, no, I, you know, there, there's a few times that I'll put my foot down. 
and to say, no, it's, it's got to be this way. And that way I have space to repent of it later, <laughs> which is sad to say, but pretty much the truth. Okay, let's see. Uh, let's see. Uh, okay, I mean, very cool shirt. We love Leslie. Thank you. Okay. Uh, 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 Kirby, what did I sell Kirby vacuum cleaners? No, I didn't. I sold MasterGuard heat and smoke detectors for six years, five time national sales champion. And then I sold courses, sales course, management course, public speaking course. Uh, human relations, can't say the name, I'm under contract, signed a contract, and then now I've been in ministry since 1993. Okay, so let's get started. Enough of this. I love you guys. It's good to spend time. I wish we could all be in the room together. I wish we could all be looking at each other and, you know, wish we could have, I just had a couple of uh, slices of my homemade bread. I made a jalapeno slice and then just a, a normal, uh, excuse me, a jalapeno bread and then normal bread. And I'm trying to decide which one I want to take Sunday morning. Let some of our congregation members have some of it. Anyway, it is awesome. Awesome. Anyway, all right, let's get praying. First of all, Lord, we say worthy is the lamb. Worthy is the lamb to take the book and to open the seals thereof because you were slain has redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred, tongue, people, and nation, and has made us under a God, kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. We say, great and marvelous are the words, Lord God Almighty, just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. Who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name, for thou only art holy? For all nations shall come and worship before thee when thy judgments are made manifest. And we know that wisdom and might are yours. You change the times and seasons. You removeth kings and setteth up kings. You giveth wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those that know understanding. You revealeth the deep and secret things. You knoweth what is in the darkness and the light dwelleth with you. And Lord, we ask that you would show us the deep and secret things with the inner word today. We know that we cannot understand you and your infinite word without you and your spirit. You did say that wherever two or more gathered in your name, there you are in the midst of them. Lord, we are gathered in your name. We ask you to show us the deep and secret things within your word. And Lord, help us to be prepared that we would not bend, we would not break, we would not take the mark, we would not deny you, but we, we would hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we're going to start. In Acts chapter 6, we're going to pick up where we left off. Now, prayed about this. Always have to pray about it, whether we want to continue in Acts chapter 6 or jump someplace else. And I feel like, and then I started reading it and confirmed it to me, no, we need to continue in Acts chapter 6 because we're pretty close to where Acts chapter 6 is repeating in our lives today. Okay, so here we go. Acts chapter 6. I can get this thing to work right here. Oops, here we go. Hang on here. Got to click on the right screen. Okay. Now you can see it, I think. There, that's the way we want it. Maybe you want to 
let me see here. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Not working right. Let me see. Uh, somebody out there send me an email. Would it be better to have the text larger or maybe like this? Which way do you want it? Uh, A or B? A or B? Okay, somebody got to answer me. <laughs> Okay. All right. Well, I will go with this until I get an answer. All right. So here we go. Uh, B. B. Okay. So that's good. B. I got an A. I got, I got two B. <laughs> it's all A's and B's. Okay. Uh, if you can read it, that would be better. If you can't read it, then I'll go with this one. Text big or picture big. Maybe that's the way we should say it. Text big, picture big. Because I forget which one is A and which one's B. Oh, big. That's good. Somebody put big. Text big. All right, here. Let's do this. Pick big. Text big. <laughs> I don't know. All right, let's go. Acts chapter 6. In those days, when the number of disciples was multiplied, there rose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews. The way we would say that is today, there arose a left against the right. There arose Democrats against Republicans. There arose the liars against those people that are trying to tell the truth. See, so it's kind of playing again today. Because there were widows were neglected in the daily menstruation. In other words, some of the people weren't able to, weren't, weren't getting to serve when they wanted to. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples to them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. In other words, they're saying, no, 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 we, we don't want to be waiters. We want to serve the word of God. We want to be ministers. Well, it would be nice that there was more people wanted to do that today. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven, men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, who we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continued to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nahar, Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. And the word of, the God, or the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of priests were obedient to the faith. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Then there arose certain of the synagogue, which is called the synagogue of the Libertines, and Cyrenians, and Alexandrians, and Democrats. <laughs> okay, you see what it's saying. It's the left. And of them of Sicily and Asia, disputing with Stephen. Uh, we kind of have that today. There's a whole lot of people. And, and I'm not saying Donald Trump is Jesus. I'm not saying he's perfect. As a matter of fact, I'll, before I say what I'm going to say, I'll say I think he's, he's, he's missed it on two really, really big things. I think that he has missed it by not telling people to pray for him, go back to church, start reading their Bibles. I think that he has missed it by not telling people that they need to get saved. 
But we do see a lot of the same thing going on. I mean, as soon as Donald Trump came down the escalator and started to go serve the Lord, excuse me, to go serve the people, I'm getting a phone call in the background. I'm trying to ignore so it's, it's interrupting my thought. Uh, immediately he got attacked. That's kind of what's happening here. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Then there rose certain of the synagogue, which is called synagogue in the Libertines, Cyrenians, Alexandrians, and of Cilicia and Asia disputing with Stephen. And I may have to close my door so I don't hear that. Hold on. Okay, better. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and spirit by which he spake. Then they suborned men which said, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. They're doing the same thing to Trump right now. But I'm not trying to lift up Trump. What I'm trying to say is he is just the one that is leading the pack. As he has said, they're not coming after me. They're coming after you. I'm just standing in the way. That's correct. They're actually coming against Christians. What you're seeing here is in the early phases of coming to pass right now. As a matter of fact, I, I, I'm going to go ahead and go to this so you can, I, because part of the Bible study has to be just not the text, but me explaining it to you. So I'm going to, I'm going to go with this particular way. Hopefully you can see it. Anyway, so they're really coming after Christians. And here, this is a good example. So they're coming after Stephen full of faith and power. And they're coming against you and I. Just watch. This is, look, look, if the suitcase nukes hit this year, or even if they don't, if they hit next year, when, when they do hit, or when there's a pandemic, some kind of a big catastrophe, they're going to use this to spring into the world government and put their man, the Antichrist, on the throne. And they're not going to do that with America standing they're not going to do that with the Christians in charge, and they know that. So they've got to remove America, and they've got to remove the power of the Christians. And if they have to kill them, and they will, that's fine with them. They were not able to resist the wisdom and spirit by which he spake. Then he suborned men, which said, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses, against God. So they took his words and twisted them. Rest assured, the devil's tactics then will be the devil's tactics today. They will take the words of preachers and twist them. They will take your words and twist them. As long as you're a little church mouse, sitting on a pew, reading your Bible, they're not worried about you. But at what time you start preaching and teaching and telling about the last days, you start explaining what's really going on, yeah, they're going to come against you. So just get your jaw set, get all prepared, it's coming. And they stirred at the people and the elders and scribes who came upon them and caught him and brought him to the council. And so they did that with Trump. You know what? 30 days ago, took him to New York. Okay. So what they're doing to Trump is what they plan to do to all Christians. And set up false witnesses which said, this man ceases not to speak blasphemous words against this holy place and the law. For we had heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth shall destroy this place and shall change the customs which Moses delivered us. 
And all that sat in the council looking steadfastly on him saw his face as it had been the face of an angel. Remember the scriptures say that when we are brought before councils and magistrates that God will give us the words to say. Remember that. He's going to give us the words to say. Then said the high priest, Are these things so? And he said, Men, brethren, and fathers, hearken. Now he's about to tell the whole story of the Jewish faith or the Jewish people. The glory of God appeared into our father Abraham when he was at Mesopotamia, before he dwelt in Quran, and said unto him, Get thee out of the country and from thy kindred and come into the land which I will show thee. Then came he out of the land of the Chaldeans and dwelt in Sharon and from thence. When his father was dead, he removed him into this land wherein you now dwell. And he gave him none inheritance in it, no, not so much as to set his foot on it. Yet he promised that he would give it to him for a, for a possession and to his seed after him, when as yet he had no child. And God spake on this wise, that his seed should sojourn in a strange land, and that they should bring, the, bring them by, into bondage and entreat them evil 400 years. Now, I want to make a point. See, God had promised that the Jews would be sent into bondage for 400 years. And then Moses was raised up, and he's about to tell the story here, that he killed one of the uh, people abusing one of the, the children of Israel, and he was sitting in the backside of the desert for some 30 years. I believe that that was not supposed to happen. I believe that that was a, a trick and a trap of the devil, and that gave the children of Israel another 30 years more in bondage because the plan was supposed to be they were supposed to come out in 400 years, not 430 years. Okay. And the nation to whom they shall be in bondage will I judge, said God. And after that shall they come forth and serve me in this place. And he gave him the covenant of circumcision. And so Abraham begat Isaac and circumcised him the eighth day. And Isaac begat Jacob and Jacob begat the 12 patriarchs. And the patriarchs moved with envy, sold Joseph into Egypt, but God was with him and delivered him out of all his afflictions and gave him favor and wisdom in the sight of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And he made him governor over Egypt and all his house. Now, there came a dearth over all the land of Egypt and Canaan and great affliction, and our fathers found no sustenance. But when Jacob heard that there was corn in Egypt, he sent out our fathers first. And at the second time, Joseph was made known to his brethren, and Joseph's kindred was made known unto Pharaoh. Now, I probably should say something. You see this where it says corn in Egypt? Yes, corn was one of the things they ate. But when Ron Wyatt found the great wheat bins, the big bins, they found evidence that what was in there was primarily wheat. Why? Because if you have eaten much on corn, you'll discover that most of it passes through you. There's actually not all that much food value in corn, whereas wheat is extremely good for us. Um, I don't think that there's one particular food that a person can eat their entire lifetime and be sustained on just that one food. But probably wheat is the closest thing to it. And corn is way down the list. It's not very nutritional. So I believe corn was part of it, but I don't think corn was the major thing. The major thing was wheat. And at the second time, Joseph was made known unto his brethren, and Joseph's kindred was made known to Pharaoh. Then sent Joseph and called his father Jacob to him, and all his kindred, threescore and fifteen souls. 
So Jacob went down into Egypt and died, he and our fathers, and were carried over into Sechem and laid in the sepulcher that Abraham brought, bought for a sum of money of the sons of Emor, the father of Sechem. But when the time of the promise drew nigh, which God had sworn to Abraham, this is going to make sense here in just a second, the people grew and multiplied in Egypt till another king arose, which knew not Joseph. The same dwelt subtly with our kindred and evil entreated our fathers so that they cast out their young children to the end that they might not live. Okay, now what's going on here? <clears throat> this is where <clears throat> the Pharaoh said, you got to cast your newborn children into the Nile River. Moses was supposed to be cast in there, but he was put into a little bitty boat and arranged by God to be raised in the house of the Pharaoh to which be able to get the children of Israel out. In which time Moses was born and was exceeding fair and nourished up in his father's house three months. And when he was cast out, Pharaoh's daughter took him up and nourished him for her own son. And Moses was learned in all wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and deeds. Now that's important. See, because God specifically arranged for Moses to be raised in the house of the Pharaoh. Why? Because when he went back to talk to the Pharaoh, he wasn't just talking to a Pharaoh. He was talking to his brother. That, that's not the correct word. Not his blood brother, but his house brother. Maybe that's the best way it is. They were raised together. They played together. They knew each other. And so he's not going to just throw Moses out. He knew who Moses was. And he'd been missing him now for some 30 years. And all of a sudden, Moses shows back up in the name of the Lord, says, let my people go. I think it's very interesting because David, the same thing happened to David. David was placed in the court of the king, King Solomon, and he was raised up and trained in the house of a king because one day he would be king. Moses, one day he would be king, not king in terms of a court, but he would be king over the children of Israel and leading them for many years. So God prepared them. And matter of fact, since I was just talking about myself, I believe that God put me through six years of door-to-door -door sales to toughen me up, to make my, my skin a little thicker, to give me stickability, as they say, so that when all of the disappointment hits me, all of the people tell me I got a hole in my head. What do you mean? There's all this deep Demetri Dudeman, all of this end time stuff, you know, and they start coming against me. I can withstand it. Then I think he turned around and put me into the training business, sales course, management course, public relations course, all of this, because I was a public speaking instructor for 13 years. Well, that comes in very handy as a pastor trying to train people within your church. But it also comes in pretty handy like right here. In other words, as you can see, I'm pretty home in front of a camera or pretty home in front of a group of people because I was a public speaking instructor. I know the right way and the wrong way. Anyway, let's go back to this. Till another king arose, which knew not Joseph, the same dealt subtly with our kindred and evil entreated our fathers so that they cast out their young children to the end they might, that they might not live. In which time Moses was born exceeding Pharaoh and nourished up in his father's house three months. He was cast out. Pharaoh's daughter took him up and nourished him for her own son. And Moses was learned in all wisdom and Egyptians, it was mighty in words and deeds. 
And when he was 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. And seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended him and avenged him that was oppressed and smote the Egyptian. For he supposed his brethren would have understood how that God by his hand would deliver them, but they understood not. And the next day he showed himself unto them as they strove and would have set them at once again, saying, Sirs, your brethren, why do you wrong one to another? But he that is a neighbor wrong thrust him away, saying, Who made you a ruler and judge over us? Wilt thou kill me as thou didst the Egyptian yesterday? And of course, that put fear in Moses' heart. Because he was a stranger in the land of Midian, where he begat two sons. So at that, he knew he had to leave Egypt. Had Moses not killed a guy, or had this other Jew, child of Israel, kept his mouth shut, then Moses was probably going to be able to go in and deliver the children of Israel at 400 years instead of 430 years. Once again, the devil is alive. When 40 years are expired, there appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai an angel of the Lord in the flame of fire and a bush. When Moses saw it, he wondered at the sight, and as he drew near to behold it, the voice of the Lord came to him, saying, I am the God of thy fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, that Moses trembled and does not behold. Then said the Lord unto him, Put off thy shoes from thy feet, for the place where thou standest is holy ground. I have seen, I have seen the affliction of my people, which is in Egypt, and I have heard their groaning, and I am come down to deliver them. And now come, I will send thee into Egypt. This Moses whom they refused, saying, Who made thee a ruler and a judge? This same God send to be a ruler and a deliverer by the hand of the angel which appeared to him in the bush. He brought them out. After that, he had showed wonders and signs in the land of Egypt. Now, let me stop. Remember, this is Stephen, a man of full of the Holy Ghost and signs and wonders and great power, was being called in front of the council. And they asked him, what are you doing? This was his answer because this was their history too. He was, it was the perfect answer, but they still didn't receive it. This is that Moses, which said unto the children of Israel, a prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren, like unto me, him shall you hear. This is he that was in the church of wilderness with the angel, which spake into the, <clears throat> into the Mount Sinai, Sinai, and with their fathers who received the lively oracles to give to us to whom her fathers would obey, would not obey, but thrust him from them, and in their hearts turned back again to Egypt. Now, what does that mean? It means that they worship the golden calf. And I thought it might be a good thing for me to have this, so let me just pop to that right quick. Let's see if I can do this here. Okay, I'm going to show you something here, another window. Okay, here we go. Now, so you can see this better. I think you can see that. All right, assuming you can see that. Uh, This is part of a talk, and it'll take me too long to go through it, so I'm not going to go all the way through it. But this is the the scriptures for it, which I'm going to skip. This is the golden calf altar as you're looking down on it from satellite. And, uh, you know, I mean, all of this is in there, and I'm I'm not going to go through all of it, but that shows you where it is. This is a big pile of rocks. 
And this is where they put the golden calf. We're pretty sure of it. They put the golden calf up on those rocks. How do we know that? Now, this is the golden calf. Uh, again, I don't altar. have time to show you the video, so let's skip on. Part of the rocks have these carvings on them. We're pretty sure that those carvings were made by the people that killed the Moloch worshipers. So if you'll notice here, <clears throat> get a little closer there. These are the way cattle in the days of Egypt used to look. They don't look like that today, but that's the way they used to appear. And then they had men there. And if you'll notice, the four black rings are covering an erection. So it's telling us that this was one big orgy where they would go. And this is showing what they did to them. They ran them through with a sword. There was 3,000 of them, the Bible says, that they killed. Okay, enough of that. And I'm going to close that. And let me do this. Stop sharing. There we go. Takes a second to switch back. Probably somebody could do this a little faster, and I'll be able to maybe get better at it. All right, anyway. <clears throat> so. Is that? Hang on. My text is jerking here. But it's not out there. Okay, all right, fine, I'll go on. This Moses whom they refused, saying, Who made thee a ruler and a judge? The same God did uh, the same, and, and same did God send to a ruler and deliver by the hand of the angel which appeared to him in the bush. He brought them out after they had showed wonders and signs in the land of Egypt and in the Red Sea and in the wilderness 40 years. This is that Moses which said unto the children of Israel, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up to you your brethren like unto me, him shall you hear. This is he, in other words, he's speaking of Jesus now, that was in the church in the wilderness with the angel and spake to him in the Mount Sinai, and with our fathers who received the lively oracles to give unto us. In other words, he's saying it was Jesus that spoke to Moses. Jesus gave Moses the Ten Commandments. And Jesus is one you nailed to the cross. They didn't like that. Two of our fathers would not obey, but thrust him out from them, and in their hearts turned back again into Egypt, saying to Aaron, Make us gods to go before us, for as this Moses which brought us out of the land of Egypt, we know not what is become of him. So they made a calf. That's Moloch. Okay? They made a calf in those days and offered sacrifice unto the idol and rejoiced in the works of their own hands. Then God turned and gave them up to worship in host of heaven, as it is written in the book of the prophets. O ye house of Israel, have ye offered to me slain beasts and, and sacrifices of the space of 40 years in the wilderness? Yea, you took up the tabernacle of Moloch and the star of your god Rimphan, figures which you made to worship them, and I will carry you away unto Babylon. Our fathers in the tabernacle of witness in the wilderness as he had appointed speaking unto Moses that they should make it according to the fashion that he had seen, which also our fathers that came after brought in with Jesus into the possession of the Gentiles, whom God drave out before the face of our fathers under the days of David, who found favor before God and desired to find a tabernacle for the God of Jacob. But Solomon built him a house. Howbeit the Most High dwelleth in night in temples made with hands, as saith the prophet. This is going to make sense in just a second. Stay with me. Heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool. What house will you build me? 
saith the Lord, or what is the place of my rest? Hath not my hand made all these things? Ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did, so do ye. Now, I want to call your attention to verse 51. When I was a child, I can remember thinking, wow, those Jews, they were just so hard-headed, they wouldn't receive Jesus. I'm sure glad Americans do. Now, in my lifetime, that has turned around. Now, I have to say that verse 51 also applies to most Americans. You stiff-necked and uncircumcised Americans in heart and ears. You do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did, so do you. We don't see the churches filling up. We don't see sports stadiums filling up. As I said in a program, I don't know, last week or so, when I was a kid, I can remember driving down the road from time to time, I would see a big, generally a white tent, and they would have a big sign out front, these flashing signs, revival. And there was a lot of cars there. There was a lot of people going in, a lot of people getting saved. Now, of course, we were already going to church three times a week, so we didn't go to any of those revivals. But when's the last time you saw a tent up along the road and there's a big revival taking place? I can't recall. I can't recall seeing one in the last 25 years. But it used to be quite common. My point is, it used to be that Americans would hear the gospel. But now, I don't have to tell you, you start talking about the gospel, you start talking about the end times, and the window shade pulls down, end of conversation, you're a no good dirty dog. I don't want to talk to you, and they're gone. Okay. Which also our fathers that came in brought in with Jesus into possession of the Gentiles, whom God drave out before the face of our fathers under the days of David, who found favor before God and desired to find a tabernacle for the God of Jacob, but Solomon built him a house. Okay, I read that. Skip on here. Which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted? And they have slain them, which before the coming of the Lord... Hang on here. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Cut to the heart, and they gnashed on him with their teeth. Now, does that mean that they bit him? No, I think that they, they were just really violently, verbally attacking him. But he before... Let me make sure I didn't skip something here. Okay, we're going to go ahead and go here. It seems like it's skipping. We go from 43, 53. Okay, all right, I guess it's not. Anyway, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God. And Jesus standing on the right hand of God and said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Now, I want to say something about that. Revelation, we're here. Uh, let me write this down. So I did that last time where I, I goofed. And I didn't make a note of where I was. So I want to make a note of where I am. All right. Acts 754. 754. Here we go. Now let me jump over to um get my thought back here. Hang on. Heaven's open. Okay. I'm gonna go to Revelation. Folks started seven because I want to back up. It's closer. And so right here. The stars of heaven fell into the earth, even as a fig tree cast her throne timely figs when she was shaken of a mighty wind. And the heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together. 
I believe that that is heaven being opened. Heaven departed as a scroll when it's rolled together, and every mountain and island moved out of the places. And this is when the kings of the earth, the great men, read Prince of Cape Town, hide themselves in the dens of the rocks, and they say, Fall on us, hide us from the face of him that sits upon the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath has come, and who should be able to stand? By the way, I want to tell you that Leslie is probably going to drive up. I think I might hear her now. And when she does, the dogs will hear her, and they will start barking, and there's not going to be a thing I can do to stop it. Uh, so we're just going to have to put up with barking. I'm just going to have to put up with barking. Just, that's, that's life. Okay, so I'm just letting you know. It, you know, when we're not live, see, I told you, we're not live, I can cut it out. So you don't hear that in the regular program. So I can just stop and cut this part out. Uh, but like I told you, she just drove up. All right, now, let me show you another place. Let's go to 21. 19. Yeah, here we go. Uh, here it is again. This is it. Here's heaven opened again. I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon it is called faithful and true, that would be Jesus. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire. So this is Jesus returning as King of kings and Lord of lords. So that's what it's like when heaven is open. Now let's go back to Acts 7. For when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed on him with their teeth. In other words, they did not appreciate getting the history of God bringing them out of bondage out of Egypt, and bring them into a place to be blessed. They didn't appreciate that. They didn't appreciate the fact Stephen could tell them all this. And it pricked their heart, so to speak. It it convicted them. And instead of humbling themselves and saying, yeah, 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 okay, all right, you're right. Instead, they took the devil's approach. So what they do? They gnashed on with their teeth. Rest assured that in your lifetime, you are going to be brought before councils magistrates, if you're lucky, it may be that something worth quicker and faster hits. But rest assured, we are in the last generation. And what you've read here tonight with me, you're going to have to face in your lifetime. You are going to have to face the time when evil people want to do evil things to you. And that might be very, very bad. But we're not going to cave. We're not going to bend. We're not going to buckle. And he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing in the right hand of God. I believe that God is going to give us the strength to be victorious. In that moment, he will be with us. He is not going to put us in anything that we cannot be successful at. But he will, as he says in the scriptures, he will, with that way, give a way of escape. In other words, he's either going to, if you're there, he's, you're there because you can be successful. He said, behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing in the right hand of God. So Stephen is about to be stoned. God opens up the windows of heaven, lets him see God in heaven on the throne. I think that's some pretty good encouragement. Cast him out of the city and stoned him and the witnesses laid down their clothes at the young man's feet, whose name was Saul. Now, 
in those, if I understand it right, I didn't live in those days, but my understanding is that they had like underwear on, but then they had this big robe that they would throw around them. So when it says they took off their clothes, it, I think, I, I hope <laughs> that it means that they took off the big robe and threw it at Saul's feet. I don't know why they did that. It's some kind of a custom of the day. It might have been his reward for allowing them to stone Stephen. Bible's not clear on that. So they, they cast their clothes at Saul's feet. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, or he called upon God, saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, saying, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Saul was consenting unto his death. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad through the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. Now, where were the believers? Where were the Christians? They're in the same place we are today. We see, and I keep using Donald Trump, he's a good example. Again, I'm not trying to lift him up. But they do something wrong to Donald Trump where other people can stop it. He complains. There's a bunch of murmuring and complaining. But there's no one who stands up with a shooting arm to put a stop to it. Same thing here. Nobody stands up to put a stop to it. And so consequently, in those days, Christians were killed. And I believe what God is saying is, Stan, tell them that this is going to play again in their lifetime. I don't know when, but soon. By the way, Benjamin, I know what that word is. It's shalom. That's shin, lamed, yod, mem. Ta-da. <laughs> By the way, uh, Benjamin, since you put some Hebrew words, Hebrew letters out there, do you know what Yahweh means? yod hey vav hey. Yod is hand. I'm talking about the ancient Hebrew. Hand. yod hey vav hey. ha hey, the, the ancient word was where they held up hands like this, and they said, hey, okay, it represents people. Vav is a nail, and hey is people. So yod heh vav heh, or the name Yahweh, in ancient Hebrew, is the God that nailed his hand for the people with a nail to the cross. So we serve a God who made his name. I will be the God that will nail my hand to the cross to save my creation. And no, I never heard of that before. I did my own studies on that. Okay, so here we go. Let's go. <sighs> okay, kneel down, cry to the Lord. Okay, I read that. Saul was consenting to his death. And at the same time, there was great persecution against the church. And it's here again. Which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered abroad through the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men carried through, and I read that. Okay. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church. I like that word, havoc. So I looked it up. Well, here, I'll show you how I looked it up here. Let me show you how here. I'll just show you. Push F10, so you double-click on Havoc, and it shows that it is uh, dishonor, to treat shamefully, to ravage, to devastate, but there's more. Then you skip down to the next word, 
hailing. That's to drag, to draw before a judge. So what this is saying is Saul spoke badly of the church. He entered into every house, dragging them out of the house to prison or before the magistrates. Since this is coming in our lifetime, we need to gird up our loins, so to speak, and be prepared for the same thing to come in our lifetime. According to Vicki Goforth Parnell, what is going to happen is they're going to be spraying a new bug at night up above America, and it's going to bring a pandemic all over the nation. And with that pandemic, the, the world, now I'm bringing in some other things here. She didn't say all of this. Then the World Health Organization is already now in the process of circumventing our Constitution and the laws of all nations to be able to take over all of the nations of the world to bring them all into a world government. So be it an earthquake as a tragedy, be it a big pandemic as a tragedy, or a series of suitcase nukes as a tragedy, or World War III with China and Russia and Taiwan, all that sort of stuff as a great, great catastrophe. All they need is another catastrophe, and they're going to move us into a world government. On the front of the Bible of the Mormons, it's called Morals and Dogma. It has ordo ab chao. That is Latin for order out of chaos. Order? What order? A new world order, a world government that they divide the seven continents into ten kingdoms, ten global regions. Ordo ab chao. Order what order? A new world order. Out of what chaos? A chaos they create. I don't know which one's going to do it. Is it a pandemic? Is it suitcase nukes? Is it war? Is it food shortages? I don't know. But that's all they need is some kind of a really, really big problem. And they're going to say, huh, martial law, martial law, everybody's got to stay inside. And then from that, they're going to take over. And of course, we also know Dimitri was told the Russians are going to attack and take over America. So I'm only saying you better, better be ready. Better be ready. It's coming. I'm going to read it again. For Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing men and women committed them to prison. It's coming to a neighborhood near you. He will not put us into a situation we cannot be victorious at. But with that, he will give us a way of escape. Or he will give us the words to say. So they will not be able to gainsay us. Or in other words, we're going to be able to, to out-talk them, so to speak. Therefore, they had scattered abroad, went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of the many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies, and that were lame were healed, and there was great joy in the city. I don't want to see the suitcase nukes. I don't want to see them hit. I don't want to see an earthquake. I don't want to see a pandemic. I don't want to see the trouble come. I would prefer to see the sports stadiums fill up with people giving their heart to Jesus without all of that. 
but I think that we all know that Jesus knows exactly what it's going to take to get the attention of people, to get them on their knees, repenting and receiving Jesus. And sad to say, that's what it's going to take. Okay, so let's move on. There was great joy in the city, but there was a certain man called Simon, which before time in the same city used sorcery. All right, now, what's sorcery? Well, sorcery in original terms is talking about that it's if these things are designed, I may have to jump over to Daniel to explain this, but it's designed to change people. One of the ways is sorcery, whether they use as the source or it uses the earth. Things like marijuana, heroin, um, all kinds of drugs, smokes and things like they they use things from the earth to change people. The objective is to change them or to control them. Uh, let's see if I can remember. Take me just a minute. I wish I could do this off my head. Eight, nine. All right, let's jump to it. Lord, where was it? Daniel 2. Yeah, well, sorry. We're not paying attention to dogs right now. Attention for something. We've got three of them here. Come here. Come here. This is one of them that's complaining. She wants me to do something. This is one of Leslie's dogs. And of course, now my dog. <laughs> Come here, Misty. Come on. <laughs> Hang on. I don't know if this thing is working right. Okay, there we go. Can you see my dog there? <laughs> you, you could say, see her, see her a little bit. Belgian Malois. Extremely, extremely smart. If you want a smart dog, get a Belgian. Belgian Malois. Okay, so let's go back to where we were here. <sighs> okay, uh, we're going to go to Daniel. Let's see. Um, oh, here it is. Okay, the Chal Chaldeans answered before the king and said, make sure you're seeing it, yes. It said, there's not a man among the earth, upon the earth, which can show the king's matter. Therefore, there's no king, lord, or ruler that asks such things of any magician. Now, let's talk about that. What's a magician? That is someone that uses uh, spirits, evil spirits that can move things. They can make things go through glass. They can do some amazing, amazing things. A magician uses evil spirits to deceive or to change people. An astrologer is one that looks at the stars, the movement of the sun, moon, and stars. And with that, they use that to control people. Chaldeans is the same thing. It's kind of both of them. These, these are ways to control people. And there was a fourth one too, but I'm not seeing it right now. All right, let's go back to where we were here. I wish it just had a back button. It probably does. I just don't know how to do it. Uh, okay. But there's a certain man called Simon, which before time in the same city used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that himself was some sort of great one. There's something else I want to say on this word sorcery. The Bible says that one of the reasons that God destroys America is because of our sorcery. I could look that up in Revelation, but I'm a little afraid I'm going to be getting off track here too much. 
and in my opinion, today our sorcery is things like movies. You know, they use CGI, what computer graphic images to make movies, and they can do amazing things with movies. Uh, they can make blood run uphill, <laughs> you know, portals open in the middle of nowhere. So they're using movies, music, all these, these deceptions, and Disney is the worst, in my opinion. My skin crawls when my grandchildren are watching Disney. I just, you can't stop it. Okay, so, I mean, I have to give in there, but believe me, I don't want it. Sorcery. Bewitches, okay, so let's move on. To whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the great power of God. And to him they had regard because of that long time he had bewitched them with sorceries. But when they believed Philip, preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Then Simon himself believed also. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracle signs which they were. Now, the word you'll skip here is wonder. Okay. Maybe I need to write that down too. Okay, so we're at 813. Let me show you something. Okay, so we're going to search for the, I didn't want that word going in there. Actually, let's do this. This is going to pick up any word, wonder, wonder, wondering, or anything like that. But we want to narrow the range to only Revelation. And the period, that's not the one I want. Hang on here, hang on. That's not it. Ah, and I saw one of his heads. Now, this is the, the guy asked me earlier the, the what are the ten the, the, the ten kings? This is him. I'll back up. I stood upon the sand of the sea, meaning the people, see his people. I saw a beast or world government rise up out of the sea or the people having seven heads or seven continents and ten horns or those seven continents divided into ten global regions and his horns ten crowns. So each one of those ten global regions also has a ruler and each one of those rulers blasphemes God. So this is your world government. And the beast which I saw was likened to a leopard. His feet were as the feet of a bear and his mouth is the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and seed of great authority. This is what I want to show you. And I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed. And all the world, there's the word, wondered after the beast. What is wonder? It means that they were mesmerized. They were taken by this guy. This Antichrist, he's going to look good. He's going to sound good. I mean, he's going to have the answer to everything. He is going to be what every woman is looking for, every man is looking for, what every state, every nation is looking for as a ruler. He's going to be the all, the all, the all, but he is straight from the pit of hell. Now, there's more. See this word wonder. I want to show you that word other places. And he, now this is talking about the false prophet. So the false prophet, and he doeth great wonders, so make it fire come down from heaven on the earth inside of men. Another one. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints. This is the Catholic Church that in the early days of the tribulation, which you're about to start seeing, 
will kill millions of Christians. And with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus, and when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. And the angel said to me, wherefore does, I'm going to skip this. I want to get to the other one I want to show you here. Peace as thou saw us as was and is not, shall ascend out of the bottomless pit. Okay, who's the beast? That's the Antichrist that thou sawest was once alive, but he's not alive now in 96 AD when John was given this, and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit. So right now, the Antichrist is falling endlessly and helplessly in the bottomless pit until the first seal is open. Now, Vicky Goforth Parnell, Terry Bennett, and Byron Surley all say that the first seal is opened. If it is opened, then that means that now the beast is out of the bottomless pit and living on the earth. And he shall go into perdition, that means into eternal torment of fire. He will not be given soul death. And they that dwell in the earth shall wonder. That's the point. Now let's go back to where we were there. Acts 8.13. So, Simon himself believed, and he was baptized, and he continued with Philip and wondered. So, Simon, the guy that was not right, wondered when he saw the miracles and the signs that were done. Now, I believe that God is going to bring back great miracles and signs. I told you, August the 15th of 2015. No, August the 8th of 2015. Saturday night. I said, Lord, what do you want me to say tomorrow morning for the sermon? And I heard words. I promise I heard words, audible words, just like you're hearing me right now. And it said, this is the, di- this is the time of miracles. As the judgment hits, so will my miracles. Miracles like no one has seen, going all the way back to Adam and Eve. You tell them, I will never leave them nor forsake them. And as the devil shows up, I will meet him inch for inch, step for step, pound for pound, everything he does, I'm going to meet him. Didn't say he'd beat him, just had to be meet him. What does that mean? That means when the devil comes out with a false set of Ten Commandments, God is going to reveal the real Ten Commandments, which Ron White said they're made of red granite. As I recall, he said they're like, you know, something like that size, written on the front and on the back in ancient Hebrew. Not the modern Hebrew, but the ancient Hebrew, the pictograph. Anyway, let's go on. Now, when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent it to Peter and John, who, when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he was not fallen on any of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, that answers a real big question. See, a lot of people think, oh, well, if you ask Jesus in your heart, you got the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Not always. You can ask Jesus into your heart, but the baptism of the Holy Spirit is different. And maybe, maybe I should cover that next week, maybe more and thorough. But here's the simple way to understand it. When you ask Jesus into your heart, your name is written into the book of life. That does not necessarily mean you're, you're called to serve. When you are filled with the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking in tongues, then you are called to serve. In my case, maybe I should tell you the story. In my case, everything changed. It was the, I'm thinking about how to say this, it was the biggest change of my life. I've had three big changes. 
One was obviously when I got saved. Then another big change when I got filled with the Holy Ghost. I got saved at the age of nine. I got filled with the Holy Ghost in 1987. And the third one was when I memorized the book of Revelation. I mean, even my wife says, man, Stan really changed. It changed me. I don't know exactly where or when. There was not a moment. It's just that all of a sudden, I mean, I, I don't even think I'd say all of a sudden. I would say it was a gradual thing. But I changed. In this case, they changed. They had received the baptism. Excuse me. They had received Jesus and were water baptized. But they were not spirit baptized. Jesus never baptized anyone in water. Only his disciples baptized people in water. But his disciples baptized people in the Holy Ghost. You get the Holy Ghost baptism by being blown on, hands laid on, oil laid on, and prayed for. You, get, you receive Jesus by asking Jesus to come into your heart. Two different ba baptisms. Maybe we'll take a whole evening and study all into that. That's very, very important. But anyway, here's a case where they were only saved. They only asked Jesus into the heart. They were not filled with the Holy Ghost yet. So it's two different baptisms. The water baptism is for salvation, which is the more important baptism. Then the Holy Ghost baptism is for spirit. One's in water, one's in spirit. One's for salvation, one is for boldness, power, and witnessing. Now with that, let's go on. Who, when they were come down, prayed for them they might receive because he'd fallen on none of them. Then they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. And when Simon saw that through the laying on apostles' hands the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money. Now, it was right that Simon wanted to be able to do that. It was not right that he thought that he could buy it. Because in that he thought he could buy it was another way to control the people. He had already been lying and deceiving them through sorceries. And that's what it's about to say. His heart wasn't right. Say, me, give me also this power that whomsoever I lay hands on, he may receive the Holy Ghost. But Peter said unto him, see, he saw his heart. Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this manner. In other words, you're not going to be serving the Lord on a full-time basis. For thy heart is not right on the side of God. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness, and pray, God, if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. For I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. In other words, now let me explain. When a person sins, that's not iniquity. When they, it's like, okay, you can smoke a cigarette, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're a smoker. But you can sin, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're in iniquity. Iniquity means you have the habit of sin that you can't break. Like when you've reached the point to where you're a smoker and you can't break it. You've reached the point to where you are a drinker and you can't stop. That's what he's talking about here. The bond of iniquity. Then answered Simon and said, Pray you to the Lord for me that none of these things which you have spoken come upon me. And they, when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, returned to Jerusalem and preached the gospel in many villages and the Samaritans. And the Lord and the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise. And go towards the south to the way that goeth from Jerusalem to Gaza, which is the desert. And he rose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch. What's a eunuch? 
A eunuch is one that has been castrated. And I hope you know what that means. A eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, read Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to his chariot. Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest that, that what thou readest? He said, No, I don't. How can I accept? So how can I accept some man should guide me? He desired Philip that he would come and sit with him. The place of the, of the scripture which he read was this. <coughs> Hang on. The place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee of whom speaketh thou the prophet this, of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began, to, began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came to a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip. What? Did you catch that? And when they come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip. What? And when they were come up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. Meaning, if you find yourself having been arrested because you don't have the mark of the beast, or having been arrested because you're professing Jesus, or some other very, very difficult situation, understand that you're only there because God has allowed it. If he didn't want you there, just like he conveyed away Jesus, he conveyed away Philip. <coughs> Been <coughs> talking too much. He can convey you away too. But Philip was found at Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. Okay, that's chapter 9. Okay, 735. Okay, let's see. Do I have... Any questions? Let me back up. There's how many comments? Oh, my goodness. It's, oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Um, I need some way to know if there's a question here. Maybe we should have, if there's a question... How about if you put the word question in all capitals as the first word? That way it allows me to quickly and easily see without having to read all of these. I might want to answer that. Ha, 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 ha. 
Wow. Okay. Ah, question. Okay, well, it's not a question. All right, all right. So I guess we go on and keep reading. So now we're in chapter nine, and I've got uh, about 25 minutes. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, in other words, he asked for permission to arrest and beat any Christians he finds. That's essentially what it's saying. To Damascus, the synagogues, if he found any Christians, whether they be men or women, he might be able to bring them bound into Jerusalem, where they're going to be examined or beaten. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why, persecute, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against, kick against the pricks. I've never heard a real good explanation of that, and I'm sure somebody has got it, but essentially what it's saying, it's hard for me to get people saved with you out there arresting them and beating them. That's what he's really trying to say. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what would thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise, and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man, but they led him by the hand and brought him to Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and neither did he eat or drink. That's important. Let me read it again. He was three days without sight, and neither did he eat nor drink. Why? I think that this is God getting a hold of him. I think this is God reaching down, grabbing him by the nap in the neck, and shaking him real good. Think about it. You're blind. You don't eat. You don't drink. Have you ever gone without eating and drinking? I made it 50 hours one time without drinking. But as I was drifting off to sleep that night, I believe the Lord spoke to my heart and said, Stan, if you don't drink something, the next sound you're going to hear is the trumpet call. In other words, I would have died in my sleep. It's tough. It's one thing to go without food, but it's a whole nother thing to go without water. The threes say you could go, you can't go more than three minutes without air. You can't go more than three days without water. And you can't go more than 30 days without food. Now, there's exceptions to that, I understand. But what I'm trying to say is God was getting his attention. Why? Because he'd made a deal with him. I think that Saul, about to be Paul, agreed somehow but didn't exactly understand what was going on. Because it's about to say that Paul was going to be put through a lot of trouble for the Word of God. And going through trouble for the Word of God is not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. 
And then he adjourned him, so it stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul rose from the earth. His eyes were opened. He saw no man, but he led them by the hand and brought him to Damascus. He was three days without sight, eat or drink. There was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, I'm here, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Arise, and go into the street which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth. And at the scene of vision, a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him, that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard many. Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he has done to thy saints at Jerusalem, saying, look at, do you understand who you're sending me to pray for? This is the guy that's been arresting and beating Christians. You want me to go to him? Am I really hearing you? Are you sure of this? That's what he's saying. And here he hath authority from the chief priests to bind all that call upon thy name. But the Lord said in him, go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. It wasn't Saul's idea. It was God's idea. And I might add, there's a lot of folks serving the Lord that was the same thing true too. For I will show in him great things, how he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house. Putting his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, has sent me, that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. And when he had received meat, he was strengthened. Then was Saul certain days with the disciples which were at Damascus. And straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. And that's where the phrase, I saw the light, or he saw the light, or she saw the light comes from. It's a good thing to be able to see the light. But all that heard him were amazed and said, Is not this he that destroyed them which called on his name in Jerusalem? And came hither for that intent that he might bring them bound under the chief priests? But Saul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews which dwelt at Damascus, proving that this is a very Christ. So Paul is proving to them that this is the Christ. Why? Because he saw the light. I think Paul was given a revelation, not only a vision, not only to, to understand, but I think revelation is his heart to be able to see and understand how to explain that this was Jesus. After that many days were fulfilled, the Jews took counsel to kill him. <laughs> so now they're trying to kill the guy that used to arrest the Christians. But their laying away was known of Saul, and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. Then the disciples took him by night and led him down by the wall in the basket. When Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples. But they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, they overcame how? They overcame how? They overcame by the blood of the Lamb? by the word of their testimony, and they love not their lives unto death. I do not think that that is saying 
that you must die to be an overcomer. However, most overcomers will. I believe that according to Revelation, it does not say this directly. If you were to say, show me book, chapter, and verse, it doesn't. It doesn't. This is something that I got by Revelation, and it just it, it helped me to see between the lines. An overcomer is one that saw the beast, heard the beast, but did not take the mark. It's going to be tough. There's going to be really it's going to be more than you can possibly believe. So in this case, when he was brought to the apostles, he declared to them what? His testimony. They overcame by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony. He had a testimony. So if somebody says to me, well, I'm a Christian. Well, tell me, when did you get saved? I've asked people that before. Up, 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 up. Well, then I start wondering, are you really saved? Because if they really got saved, a lot of them say, it was June the second. <laughs> tell you all about it. And after they get out of that story, there's another story. There's another story. There's another story because they have a testimony. They overcame by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they love not their lives unto the death. See, so Paul was able to convince the apostles because of his testimony. And he was with them coming in and going out at Jerusalem. And he spake boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Grecians. In other words, the left of the Democrats of the day. But they went about to slay him. Which when the brethren knew, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him forth to Sarsus. Then had the churches rest throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria, and were edified. What brought them the rest? <laughs> what brought them the rest was Jesus appearing to Saul, turned to Paul, out of the road to Damascus where he saw the light. So when the guy that was arresting so many of the Christians was converted, it brought a lot of rest to the churches. Rest throughout Judea and Galilee and Samaria were edified and walking in fear of the Lord and of the comfort of the Holy Ghost were multiplied. And it came to pass, as Peter passed through all the quarters, he came down also to the saints which dwelt at Lydia. And there he found a certain man named Ananias, Ananias, which had kept his bed eight years and was sick of palsy. Peter said to them, Ananias, Jesus Christ maketh thee whole. Arise and make thy bed. And he arose immediately. And all that dwelt at Lydda and Saron saw him and turned to the Lord. Those kind of miracles are coming in our lifetime, I believe, seven times greater. The Lord told me, as I said, no man has seen the kind of miracles that we're about to see. We're about to see great miracles. There was a prophecy just came forth the other day. I believe it was from Patricia Green. And she said she saw that people were being healed, set free, and no one was laying hands on them. They were just hearing the preaching of the word and they were healed. <clears throat> now there was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha, which by interpretation is called Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and alms deeds, which she did. What's an alms deed? <coughs> it's giving. Giving. Good works, that's very good. Giving is also very, very, very powerful. Good works and alms deeds, which she did. And it came to pass in those days that she was sick and died, and whom, and whom when they had washed, they laid her in an upper chamber. For as much as Lydda, Lydda maybe is a way to say that, Lydda, 
was nigh to Joppa, and the disciples had heard that Peter was there. They sent unto him two men, desiring him that he would not delay to come to them. Then Peter arose and went with them. When he was come, they brought him into the upper chamber, and all the widows stood by him weeping, and showing the coats and the garments which Dorcas made when she was with them. So they were showing him all of the good works that this woman had done, her alms deeds. Now watch what happens. And Peter put them all forth. <clears throat> now why? There are times where God does things to show himself strong. Then there are times where he only works in private. And apparently in this case, he didn't want to work in public. So he asked all of them to get out of the room. So Peter put him out of the room, kneeled down and prayed and turning to him, turning him to the body said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. When she saw Peter, she sat up and he gave her his hand and lifted her up. When he called the saints and widows, presented her alive. And it was known throughout all Joppa, many believed in the Lord. And it came to pass that he tarried many days in Joppa with one Simon, a tanner. <coughs> okay. So we got about 10 minutes left, 20 minutes. This story reminds me, I guess it was about, I'm going to tell you the whole story. Um, about three years ago, <clears throat> Leslie and I were had taken some days off, and we were down in Mexico. I believe it was Cancun. And uh, we're on a beach. And as soon as we arrived on the beach, Leslie, is some kind of a little cheap deal, you know, where we could go down there for almost nothing. Anyway, <clears throat> as soon as we reached the beach, Leslie says, well, I'm going to go use the bathroom. We had a pair of binoculars. And they're about, they're a little bitty, about twice the size of this, a little bit like this, binoculars. And I was sitting there on the beach about this time, right after Leslie walked up. Uh, let me switch here. I see this boat just come streaming in really fast up to this dock, which was quite a ways out in the water. And I mean, he, he, he's like, he slammed on the brakes. He tied that, that boat up real quick and he was in an emergency. And he lifted this woman, looked to be like about 55 to 57 years old and flopped her body out on the deck. He jumped out and he started giving her mouth-to-mouth -mouth resuscitation and, and giving her chest compressions. About this time, I see another guy with a box about four foot long by about one foot by one foot, a big, long orange box. And he is running as fast and as hard as he can down the beach, onto the dock, all the way out to the end of that dock. I'm watching this with my binoculars. And <clears throat> I'm in Mexico. And it comes to me to go pray for her. Man, you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, I came up with all kinds of excuses. You know, this is Mexico. This is not my home. I, I don't even know how to speak the language. Yeah, that's a way out on the on the dock. Yeah, you know, what would they think of me if I walk up and say, I'm a pastor, can I pray for you? You know, yeah. And so I just sit there and watched. They kept working on her, kept working on her. Then here comes an ambulance. 
here comes the ambulance with the gurney, and they're running, they're pushing it all down. About two hours later, they sit around a boat to pick up the woman's body. The guy had done chest compressions so hard, her top had come off. So this lady, about 55 years old, is laying face up in the sun, bare-breasted and dead. And of course, they didn't think anybody on the beach, beach had seen this, so they weren't worried until <clears throat> they saw me with the binoculars. Because binoculars I had put me right on the scene. And I got to see all of what they were doing. And uh, I thought I had done the right thing. You know, who, who won? You know, that, that's too arrogant. Calling attention to myself, going out there, praying for people. Eh, not my place, not my nation. I don't know what the protocol is here. I mean, came with all kinds of excuses. About nine months thereabouts, nine months later, <clears throat> I'm, uh, one of the guys that play, I play racquetball with came up to me, hey man, I, I started to say the guy's name, I, I don't know, I'll, I'll call him Bill, because that was not his name, <clears throat> hey, did you hear that, that Bill had an incident, no, what happened, oh man, he, uh, he had to go into the hospital, and had some kind of surgery, I don't know what's going on, and then, like about an hour later, he's there playing racquetball. I walk up to him. I said, Bill, did I hear something about you having some kind of a stand or something? He said, oh, yeah. He said, well, tell me about it. He said, well, my, uh, my son-in-law is a fireman. And he said, and, and I started getting a little dizzy. And I thought, well, I'll drop by and see what he says. Well, they hooked up this uh, gizmo on me. And they said, uh, you need to go to the hospital. He said, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll check it out tomorrow. I said, no, you don't understand. We are driving you to the hospital right now. He said, 45 minutes after I hit the curb of the hospital, I had three stents put in my heart. I said, then you want to tell me what you're doing here tonight? What are you doing here? He said, well, it is true. The doctor told me that I shouldn't be playing ragaball for six weeks. So I'm not going to play. I'm just going to kind of hit the ball around a little bit. I thought, okay, I mean, you know, you, you're risking it here. So I went into the game. I'm playing. I come out. He's in the next court playing racquetball. Did you not hear? Did you not learn anything? That was a Thursday night. <clears throat> Monday night, I'm in with the number five racquetball player in the world getting a lesson. Guy's 28 years old. He's fantastic. Anyway, so I'm getting a lesson. I'm at the front of the court. And my racquetball instructor says, hey, man, something going on outside. I knew, I knew by the Spirit of God before I even turned around that it was Bill. That wasn't his name, but again, I knew it was Bill. I knew. So I ran back there, opened the door to the racquetball court. Here's this guy laying down. His feet are about this far. I don't know if you can see me. About this far off of the ground. And his hands are back like this. His eyes, I've never seen a person's eyes bug out like that before. I've heard that the brain is under a vacuum and that if that vacuum is broken, uh, like maybe they get hit in the head and maybe their, their skull cracks or something, and that vacuum is broken, their eyes will pop out or even sometimes pop out on their cheeks. His eyes were popped out like, I can't, I can't even believe. 
Well, I took one look at him. And I said, call 911. They said, where did he call it? Where they're on the way. And I said, okay, well, get them here. And immediately I started, blood of Jesus, blood of Jesus, blood of Jesus, blood of Jesus. About that time, this big muscled up guy walks up and he starts giving him chest compressions. Okay. And then I'm thinking, you know, this guy's not even breathing. I, I felt his neck, you know, there's no pulse. He's gone. He is gone. I said, I can see he's not breathing. And I thought, I ain't gonna give guy a mouth to mouth presentation. I'm sorry. I mean, I <laughs> you know, I, I, I I'm just not gonna do that. <clears throat> so I thought, well, what can I do? I mean, he's not getting any air. So I know I know probably this is the wrong thing to do, but I put my finger, I was thinking out because his tongue was like that. It was like it was like swollen, it was like big out of his mouth. He I could tell he there's no way he could breathe. I could tell he wasn't breathing. So I thought, well, I'm gonna put my finger down his throat. And then as I realized, you know, your your tongue is not here. <laughs> The bottom of your tongue is right down here because I had to stick my finger way down his throat and I'm pushing, I'm trying to open. And as they're giving the chest compressions, about this much air is moving just from the chest compressions. He wasn't breathing. He wasn't breathing. His heart was not beating or anything. <clears throat> Where's that ambulance? They're on the way. And I said, did they stop and get a hamburger on the way? Because to me, it seemed like it's about 15, 20 minutes. Now, guys standing around said it's only about seven or eight minutes. But I don't know. It seemed like it longer to me. Anyway, so the muscled-up guy gets tired of giving the chest compressions. About that time, they arrive with this uh, yellow box-type thing with wires coming out of it. We're supposed to we had a picture. You know, you're supposed to put it here and here and here on him and push a button. It charges up and then shocks him. Well, it went through and it shocked him two or three times, and it didn't help. And then, so the muscled-up guy is now worn out from giving him chest compressions. And about that time, another nurse shows up. She starts giving him chest compressions. And finally, she just go, well, she, she gave up. And then the, the muscle guy comes back. He starts giving him more chest compressions. So he wore out three people giving chest compressions. Nothing. No breathing. No heartbeat. Nothing. They all just stopped. I thought, okay. So I just, I pulled my finger out and I just stopped and I looked down at him and I was kind of thinking, well, that's it, buddy. I, I mean, I, I love you. You're a good friend of mine. Man, you're gone. And then I thought, you know what? He's a Christian. He would want me to pray for him. Now there's about, Eight to 12 people, I didn't really look, eight to 12 people in a circle standing around us. I'm on my knees down by the guy. He would want me to pray for him. So I just calmly reached my hands out and laid my hands on him. And I said, Lord, bring him back in Jesus. I didn't get to the word name. As soon as I said Jesus, he went, <laughs> with this big... <coughs> I do that every time. A real big breath. His eyes are blinking like this. All of a sudden, he come back to life. I put my hand. There's a pulse. He's breathing. So I said to the other people, he's alive. He's alive. He's breathing. He's got pulse. I saw the power of the name of Jesus. 
it wasn't name. It wasn't Lord. It was the name Jesus. I said, Lord, bring him back in Jesus' name. That's what he was wanting the whole time. He was wanting me to walk out on that dock and lay hands on that poor 55-year-old woman that died on that dock that day. Stand didn't have enough courage. So I purposed in my heart not to hold back like that anymore. I'm going to use the name of Jesus whenever I can. I think that in the days ahead, we all have to be prepared to use the name. There's power in the name. There's power in the name. Okay, let's see. <clears throat> I'm looking for a question. Okay, I'm not exactly... Pastor Stan, what do you think silver in gold is go? I know not. I, I don't understand the question, Edgar. I don't understand the question. <clears throat> I'm a nurse of 40 years. I've seen that. Okay. Henry Groover did this all the time. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, here's a question. Now we're talking Bible prophecy. Is the Fed now, whoa, the question disappeared off the page here. Let me see, scroll up. Okay. Is the Fed now fully launched in July, the mark of the beast? No, but I think it is the platform or the system to do it. <clears throat> it's kind of like, let's take a pistol. Is that is that the pistol that killed the guy? No, it was the pistol that held the bullet that did. <laughs> so the pistol's the platform. The pistol is the device, but it's the bullet that did the damage. And FedNow is the pistol. It's the system. It's the platform. It's, it's what's going to reach the point to where no man can buy or sell, save he had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Okay, I see it's 803, and my dog has been whining at me to take her outside she needs to go outside so i guess i better go god bless you all uh and i will see you next week